right. <laughs> okay. Well, this is interesting being in front of these lights up here. So I'm Rachel, and uh, I work with a group called Inner Varsity. Uh, that has just started partnering with BASICS, so I'm really excited for the year and what God's been doing so far. It's been amazing. So I've been at UNI for quite some time, actually, um, but it's been amazing to partner with BASIC and the, and the mission of what you guys want to do to love the campus, because that's exactly our heart. And so it's been just beautiful to see how that comes together. So uh, there is a little picture of me I want to share with you. Um, this is me as a freshman. Any of you in this room freshmen? All right. Uh, so I won't tell you how many years ago that was, but uh, that's my roommate, Sigrid was her name. Um, and I lived in Shoal Hall. Uh, that might date me a little bit. But I loved uh, living in the dorms and getting to know the people around me and all those relationships. I remember hanging out with like people from Fort Dodge that I didn't really even know. Woo, okay. <laughs> but everyone I knew was from Fort Dodge. So anyway, so, uh, and I'm still friends with them today, so I like it. Um, but yeah, so uh, it was kind of a crazy time of life. But those four years radically transform my whole life. And every time I step on campus, I just think about all the memories and all the great, amazing things that God did in my life, all the fun things that we did, late night you know, road trips and all kinds of things like that. So it's amazing what God can do during your time in college. So I just want you to have hope that even if it's been rocky or wherever it's been, it will get better, I promise. Um, so I've also really enjoyed working with a lot of our, the leaders, the student leaders who lead life groups and things like that, and they're just doing an amazing job serving people right where they are, whether it's with Greek students or with international students or music majors or in the dorms. It's just beautiful. So thank you for bringing the kingdom of God um, through your service. Uh, so I get to talk about BLESS. Um, and so we've been doing, the first one was begin with prayer, then we had listen, then we had eat, and now we're at serve. And serving, I feel like, is kind of a hip thing right now, right? It's like the thing you do. And, uh, but it's usually kind of like, oh, it makes me feel good, you know? And it's like, this is this, um, you know, just popular thing to do. And it's kind of convenience and things like that, you know? So it's like things I really like to do. Um, but... I'm not very good at serving because oftentimes it's not that cool actually when you're doing it. I don't know if you've experienced that. And Paul kind of hinted at that, that actually it kind of gets hard sometimes. Um, and so I'm not very good at this. And so I'm kind of speaking out of that place of like, we're all learning, we're all growing to be servants and figuring out what that looks like. So let me just pray for us as we go into this. So God, we uh, thank you that you are here, you are present with us. God, we thank you that you're the one who came and you first served us. You loved us first. Um, and so anything you call us to do tonight is because you already did that for us. Um, and so we want to learn from you. Um, we want to just let go of all the things that we're distracted by and just be present with you in this time and in this moment, God. So this in your name. Amen. So, um, so I, I like service when it's not very messy. Uh, I like service when it's very convenient and it fits my schedule. And uh, I like it when it's with people that I really like, right? People that are easy for me to, to love, right? Um, 
but most of the time that's not how it goes. Um, so sometimes it's very inconvenient. So I have a day off that I really hold to because all week I feel like I'm serving and I'm working really hard, and so I'm like, oh, finally, I can let down, I can rest, and I can read a book, I can journal, whatever that looks like. Um, but one time, uh, I actually, uh, I'm at my favorite place, which I won't tell you who, where it's at, because um, I really like that spot. <laughs> so if you find me there, I will say hi to you. Um, but there was a girl who actually sat down next to me, and it was kind of notable because she had this big black garbage bag full of stuff with her. And uh, that probably is a little bit odd, right? Um, but I had met people who probably carry around bags, and oftentimes it meant that they're homeless, right? And uh, so I kind of like tried to ignore it or tried to be like, oh, she's probably, that's probably not the situation. And, you know, I'm here. It's my day off, you know? I need to rest. Um, but, you know, I'm reading my Bible, so it's a little bit hard to... Uh, ignore the nudges that God's giving me to, like, do something. But I do actually ignore it for quite some time. And then I go to the bathroom, and uh, she's in the bathroom, actually, and she's brushing her teeth. I'm like, okay, that confirms it. <laughs> There's probably something going on with this. Um, so I just said, well, hi, you know, how are you doing, you know? And she just, like, let out her kind of whole story. Um, and I was like, oh, boy, okay. And so she needs a ride is her situation. And so I was like, oh, you know, I'm still in the middle of my stuff. I don't really want to do it. It's not very convenient for me at this time. And this woman, I don't know. I don't know about letting her into my car, right? Um, so, but I say yes, because I know that's what Jesus would want me to do at the time. So finally, I kind of say yes to it. Um, so anyway, it wasn't too inconvenient. I just had to go down the road a little bit and drop her off at this place. And then she said, well, I'll be back, like, really soon. Just wait here for me. Well, I waited for an hour, and she never came. She never came back. So I was like, well, okay. So it wasn't a very glamorous story. There's no other end to it. It just ended like, ugh. That was like, I don't know if I like what was in my own heart. And I, that wasn't a very, like, happy experience with serving. Um, but I think oftentimes that's how it is actually when we serve, right? It's not this glamorous, amazing thing um, that we can celebrate. Sometimes it's just really uh, hard, and sometimes it reveals our own hearts, which is really hard. So why is it hard for you to serve? Why is it hard for us to serve? Just pause on that for a second. So Jesus does say something about serving and the struggle to serve. I think he very much knew how hard it was because he lived his whole life serving. Um, and there's a story that's very famous. I think I even studied it, like, in one of my college classes. Uh, it's the Good Samaritan. Yeah, most of you have probably heard this story before. Um, but actually, it's kind of a convicting story. Because, I, like, I remember we studied it in a class, and they were talking about the Good Samaritan rule or law or whatever it was. And they said, actually, like, there's a statistic that, like, all these people, um, if they see someone on the side of the road, that most people actually pass them, right? Like, so they don't even stop. They don't, you know. And so... Uh, it's kind of odd, right? So there was like this, some things that have happened, crimes that have happened right in front of people's eyes because they just didn't want to do anything about it. So anyway, that's kind of a similar story to this. So this is out of Luke 10. Um, and it starts out, um, and I'm just going to read this, and I'm going to kind of talk as I go through it. 
On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? Okay, so this starts out, and it's not good anytime someone says they came to test Jesus, right? So there's something going on. This guy's like got some alter- ulterior motives, right? And he's got his agenda. He wants to prove that Jesus is wrong and he's right, and all the Jewish people, that Jewish leaders were right. But Jesus often broke all the rules, right? And uh, didn't quite do things the way they wanted him to do. So it's unsettling. But at this point, things are pretty tame, right? So um, the guy answers here, um, and really, you know, it wasn't anything big. He said exactly what all the Jewish leaders would have said, which was the Shema, which is like they recited it every single day. And so he answers, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. Now, it could have just ended there and everything would have been nice and neat, right? But this guy, you know, he's thinking about this. He's like, okay, I just, I'm kind of checking off things, right, on his list. And uh, as he does, he's like, oh, wait a second. You know, like, I'm, I'm going to hesitate for a second. And he, he wants to clarify, right? So it says, he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So, in his mind, neighbor would have meant, as a Jew, that it would have been people who are close to you. It would have been your Jews, and Jew, other Jews and your family, right? Which, that's kind of like how we are today, right? We're like, yeah, you help your family, you help the people closest to you. Um, but Jesus isn't quite happy with just that, right? So he's going to actually define it differently. And so he tells us a story. So in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. This is not a good situation, you're probably thinking, right? So this guy is on this road, and this road was known to kind of have bandits and robbers, so it was a little dangerous. So he's kind of taking some risks probably going down this road, right? Um, But this man finds himself you know, the victim of these robbers, right? And so he's helpless, and he's kind of wondering, you know, do I even have any hope? Like, he's half dead, so who knows if, like, maybe he's going to actually die or what's going to happen on the side of the road there, right? So he's probably just, like, waiting and waiting and thinking, okay, maybe someone's going to come, and he watches, and he watches, and he watches, but this is what happens, A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. What? I mean, this is crazy, right? Like, uh, these guys are religious people, and they don't stop for this guy who's in need. So what's going on with that, right? So I want you to think about what's going on in your mind if you're the Levite or you're the priest. What's going on? Why would you not stop? Just think about that for a second. So uh, there might be some very good reasons, right? Uh, So we know this road is very dangerous. So most likely if you stop, there is a, a good chance that you could get 
hurt or beaten up, who knows where those bandits and robbers are? They could just be right around the corner, right? Um, so that could happen. Uh, you might just be like in a hurry. I have to get somewhere important, and maybe someone else will do it, so I'm just going to keep going, right? That could be it. Or another thing or a combination of these things is that these are Jewish leaders, right? And so in Jewish law, this guy would have been considered unclean. And so to stop uh, and especially to touch him would mean you're unclean, which means you can't really do your job if you're a priest or Levite because that's your whole job is to go into holy, good places and to serve God there, right? So you would totally be disqualified. So there's some good reasons, maybe, right? There's often good reasons that we have for not helping our neighbor, right? Um, We always have some kind of reason, right? Um, And it's interesting because it's almost like just an impulse. They don't even, there's not very much hesitation. Like the Levi has a little bit of hesitation, like he kind of comes to the place. Um, The priest just goes on, right? Um, And so their impulse is just like, yep, I need to just keep moving, right? Someone else will take care of it. Maybe some other good Jew will stop. But what's interesting, right, is that it isn't a good Jew that stops. It's someone else. So Jesus introduces the hero. And the hero is a Samaritan man, the most unlikely of people, right? So Samaritans, we know, were loathed by the Jews. They hated them. These people, they mixed their religions. They refused to worship in the sanctioned Jerusalem. Uh, They even had some deadly skirmishes at times um, about this. And they were hated so much that the Jews would always go around that area because that neighborhood was not where they wanted to go because these people were so um, terrible to them. So, so into that context, it's the Samaritan who comes to save the day. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took the two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So this Samaritan man shows us a beautiful picture of what it means to serve. So if you're wondering what does it look like to serve, here's a very good example to study. So he sees a need, and he goes in, and he uses all of his resources to not just meet the need, but generously, right, meet this need. He's courageous, and he's compassionate. He takes pity. His heart is in it. He's not just doing it for any old reason. Um, So there's a lot of things in that. He risks his security and his safety, right? He gives up his time. He pours out expensive oil and wine, his own resources. He puts the man on his donkey. He gives his money to the innkeeper, not just for one night, but like as long as this guy needs to stay, right? He goes the full length. It's like he treats him just like a family member, like one of his own, right? He loves his neighbor as himself. So, Jesus concludes this whole story, right, with a teachable moment. And he says, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. So, 
uh, the Jewish leaders in a little bit of a predicament, right? Like, he can't really get out of this. I mean, clearly the Samaritan was the neighbor in this situation. And so he can't really say anything good about his own people because, right, they passed by. Um, so it's, it's a hard moment for this guy. He has to admit that this man that he loathes is actually the one who loved his neighbor as himself and not his own kind of people. So... Jesus turns this whole story upside down, right? Like in this one story. Um, And he doesn't limit our definition, but he actually expands it. And he says, it's not about who's your neighbor. Actually, anyone could be your neighbor. It's about you being a neighbor, right? This is a radical call. Jesus is like, everything in your life is supposed to be like turned upside down. It's not just acts of service. It's actually a life of service. It's a way of living, right? We love God with all of who we are, and we love our neighbor as ourselves. And so, therefore, any opportunity that that comes up, we're always saying, God, is this something you want me to meet, right? And, like, we don't just get off the hook. It's not just when it's convenient, right? Um, But it's hard, right? Because, like, we think about how many times do we actually, like, love ourselves and serve ourselves. And that's not a bad thing, right? Because we love our neighbor as ourselves, right? So we feed ourselves. We study for our education. We work for our money. We recreate, right? We do all kinds of things, and those are all good. But how often do we actually do those very things for our neighbor? How often do we stop and help our neighbor? The ratio is probably not real good in our lives, right? Most of it is usually the things that we do. But the great thing is that we're not the examples, and the Samaritan isn't even the best example. Jesus is the best example. Jesus came, and even though in all that mess, even though we're bad servants, Jesus was the perfect, ultimate servant. He was the perfect model of this, and he died for us. He fed the hungry. He healed the suffering, and most of all, he made a way so that we could have the same kind of relationship he had with his father, which is amazing that that's what his heart was. So it says in Mark 10.45, which is not on a slide, it says, For even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we love not to get God's favor, not to like do things for God because he needs something from us, but we love because that's who God's heart is. That is who God is, and he has loved us. And because he has loved us so extravagantly, he came to us where we were at in this world. That's why we can serve other people, and that is good news. And God is all about showing us his grace in the process of learning how to serve. Um, But he invites us into a life Um, of service, right? Not just a task or a thing that we do sometimes when it's convenient, but a life of being a neighbor. And we walk by neighbors all the time, right, in our world. So you have neighbors in your classes and in your dorms and in your workplace. You have them all over. Maybe it's your family. Sometimes your family is one of the harder neighbors to love. There are people all around us, but how often do we really realize there are neighbors, And that we're called to be a neighbor to them. Um, So for me, when I went to college, I remember as a freshman, uh, I was mostly just annoyed by my neighbors. So I don't know if anybody here has been annoyed by your neighbors. And I'm sure I was an annoying neighbor at times too. Um, But mostly I did not see my neighbors as, as Jesus would have. 
Um, so I didn't like that people stole my markers, right? Like, uh, I didn't like that there was a band playing below me when I was trying to take my nap. Uh, I didn't like that there were guys in my bathroom in the middle of the night when I would go in there, right? You've probably seen this. Um, I didn't like that I had to walk over puke in the hallway because someone had, you know, uh, that had happened in the hall. So, yeah. So, anyway, there's a lot of things. I didn't like that there wasn't air conditioning. I could list a whole lot of things. But, um, but anyway, the story gets better. So, I had some moments where I think I uh, learned better. Um, so I had an InterVarsity staff, her name was Tanya, and she found me early as a freshman, and even though maybe I was judgmental towards my, my roommates and friends and things like that, she took me alongside her and she said, hey, let's go, and we're going to invite people on your floor and in your dorm to this bowling party. And I don't know if they still have that today, but we had this bowling party at the beginning of the year. And so we came to this room, and there's this guy named Greg, and Greg... Um, I looked in his room and I was like, whoa, I am, this is awkward. So he had beer cans lining his room. I don't know if you've met anyone like this. Um, And then, you know, this is pretty common. There were like women just like plastered, like almost naked. And I'm like, as a woman, I'm like, oh, this is super awkward, you know. And, but Tanya wasn't phased at all. So she kind of had that in her background. So it wasn't like any big deal. Um, So she just started having a conversation with him. She talked to him about Harry Potter because that was kind of uh, something he was excited about. Um, She talked to him about his faith and she talked about, they talked about what he thought about God. And, uh, and somehow I was just like, whoa, this guy is like, uh, he's normal, just like me. Like there's things that he shares in common with me. And he actually has a lot of thoughts and ideas about God. And I was just stunned. And that moment was like a defining moment in my entire life. And it defined the whole rest of my college experience, that first week of class. Um, So I had been blind to people like Greg. And I had cast them off as like, oh, they would never be interested in God. But I learned that we all are curious about God. We all have things to think about God, and we all have things to learn from each other, right? I had a lot to learn from Greg. And uh, there's a good end to the story, which is kind of nice. Greg did come bowling with us, which was really great. Um, he even came to Bible study. I remember he'd always, like, use Indiana Jones as his answers to every Bible study question. I don't know why, but he really liked it. <laughs> so, and we just hung out, and we spent life together that year as a community. And he decided he wanted to follow Jesus towards the end of that year as he discovered more about who Jesus was. Um, he really wanted his life to be about that. Um, and so I learned a little bit in that, how could I love my neighbor? And it, it changed everything. So I lived in the dorms for four years, obviously not because it was something I loved all the time, but uh, because God was working there. And it put me in contact with all kinds of different kinds of neighbors that I would never have talked to before. And it was a whole lifestyle that God invited me into of learning to serve people every day and opening my life up to people. Um, and handing out a lot of brownies, I did do that a lot, Um, and eating a lot of meals together, missional eating, right, we talked about that, Um, helping people move in, so there were practical things, there were all kinds of things that God did. Uh, So it was a choice that God invited me into a a different way of living, 
Um, so I have a di an image for you that um, I was thinking about with this. And uh, so here are my keys. Um, and I thought about keys, right? And keys are something that we use to open things. And a lot of times are private things, right? It's our, our car and our dorm room and things like that. Um, so they kind of give permission for people to be in our lives. So if I, like, make a copy of a key and I give it to you, that means I'm letting you into my house. And you can go in anytime you want. Or you could use my car anytime you want, right? Um, and so I think about keys as a symbol of our openness to let other people into our lives and to, to share um, those relationships with each other. Um, a couple of really crazy ideas that I've heard um, in college. One was, both of these are at the University of Iowa, and they're kind of infamous. So one was that this um, guy felt like he really needed to um, open up his car for anyone to use. Um, so he made a, a copy of his key, and he actually, like, let like anyone who came into his house, they could pick up that key, they could use the car. If anyone wanted his car, he would just lend it out to them. Kind of crazy. I don't know how many of us would do that. Any of you do that? Yeah. Maybe you do. I don't know. Um, the other one was a little bit crazy, and I probably wouldn't recommend this, and especially my RA friends in the room would be like, oh, don't do that. Um, but these guys had like literally an open door policy to the point where they actually took the door of their dorm room off its hinges. I'm serious. <laughs> this is why this story gets passed around. It's like, and they actually like tried to take it off and like live without a door. I, I don't know. They might have had a curtain. I don't know what it was, but you know, you're thinking, how would they change? I, I don't know all the logistics of that. So you probably don't need to do that. But in theory, like, what would it be like to open your life up like that and to say, anyone can be part of my life, and I want to be part of your life, and let's share that with each other. And that might not be very safe, but I tell you, that's a much more fun way to live, and God can do a lot of crazy things when we do that kind of stuff. So I just found out recently I'm going to be moving to Waterloo, and my roommate, she, live, she lives there purposefully, so she actually moved there um, for, to like kind of bless her community there, and it's kind of in a rougher neighborhood. Um, and I just need a roommate, right? So I'm just like, I'm going to move in. And I mean, I understand why she's doing it, and, like, I get it. But I've uh, not really, like, taken that call as my call yet. Um, but God's been saying, well, what would it look like for you to choose to see your neighbors, to not just, like, go in your house and leave, because I really would be one of only two young, single white women in that community, in that neighborhood. And uh, so I'm a little bit nervous about it. I'm like, I can't take my walks and things like that. But um, what would it look like for me to love my neighborhood, to love my neighbors around me, even though they're really different from me? Maybe I could learn something. Maybe God could do something in that. So serving looks like a lot of different things, but it's a lifestyle. So sometimes it's washing the dishes for the hundredth time, even though your roommate probably should do them. Sometimes it's embracing the community God's placed you in. Sometimes it's going to a new community that's uncomfortable and saying, God, what do you want to do in this place? But Jesus broke all, through all kinds of barriers to be our neighbor, right? To love us where we are. And so he calls us to that. And he calls, it to, calls us to, to that for our good. Um, there's this quote that says, um, so the beginning of it's like sad, right? Like So people who are selfish, it's just... They have a sad existence. And the second part of it, it says, on the contrary, the happiest people are the people who deliberately take on themselves the sorrows and troubles of others. Their hearts sing with a strange, wild joy. 
And there's a joy, right, that comes more than just convenience or when it's easy, but God calls us into um, a life that we get to know him and his heart and be with him and experience his joy. So I want to ask you as I end, how is God inviting you to open your eyes to the neighbors around you? Who are those people that you walk by every day? And will you have courage and compassion to actually stretch out your hand and somehow love them or listen to them or eat with them or share or serve them? So that is my challenge for you. So let me pray for us. God, um, we do confess, I confess how easily I cast aside certain kinds of people as my neighbor, um, God. And we invite you to continue to change our hearts, to continue to teach us what it means to love not only you, but to love others. And we pray that we would have your love um, that enables us to love other people. So help us see with your eyes and help us love with your heart on this campus and in our lives. Amen.